comes from the book of Ezekiel. I know that coming kind of out of left field, but I, I've been praying and I've been just seeking the Lord. Um, and uh, I was reminded of Ezekiel 37 um, and, and the subject and the, and the, and the sermon that we're going to preach today. Um, so let me just read it to you guys. It's Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10, and we're also going to read Psalm 23, verse 4. Uh, Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them. <clears throat> and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O oh, Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and I will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. The bones came together, bone to its bone, and I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh came upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord, God, come from the four winds, O breathe, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied and he, as he commanded me, and the, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet in exceedingly great army. Uh, and then Psalm 23, 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, today's sermon is about the valley. Right? How many of you guys know uh, that there will be highs in our lives and there will be lows, right? And the lows are the valleys of our lives. And I want to start by saying that there is no life, uh, there is no valley-free life, right? Mountaintops are great. You know, highs in our lives are great. We see the goodness of God. We see the grace of God. We experience His love. We experience His mercy. You know that high you get when life is good, Right? God's done something amazing in your life. Things are going your way. You can feel that you're in the hand of God. You get that promotion. You get that job. You get that raise. You ask her out and she says yes. You get married. You have a baby. You, know, you feel like the goodness and the favor of God is all over you. And it feels good. But there's no such thing as a valley-free life. We have to understand that valleys and deserts and the wilderness are inevitable in our lives. You know, you don't get that promotion. You get let go from your job. You know, you asked her out and she said, ew. You know, like, and all you see around you are dry bones. A lot of times we go to God and we think that his job is to keep us out of the valley. But if, and if it was up to us, we would spend all of our times frolicking up in the hills, you know, you know in the meadows and playing in the woods. But how many of you know that valleys are necessary for our lives? 
There's a famous Billy Graham quote that says, Mountaintops are for views and inspiration, but fruit is grown in the valley. And as a matter of fact, God can't do what He wants to do in your life if you never find yourself in the valley. And you can be inspired, and you can be on cloud nine, and you can be, you know, up in the, up in the you know, where everything feels great. But there's no testing on cloud nine. Right? You can't grow that part of, he can't grow that part of you that he wants to grow. He can't strengthen that part of you that he wants to strengthen or bear that fruit in you that he wants to bear if you don't walk through the valley. Many times, valleys are God-ordained. It's either that or you messed up, right? Like you made some horrible decisions and you're like, oh, I'm in the valley. And I was like, you look back. And I experienced that. I made some horrible decisions when I was young. And I was walking through the valleys of my life. But the valley is the place of stretching. It's the place of testing. The valley is where things are extreme, right? I remember when I was young, and I wasn't really young. I was like 26 I I, uh, I lived in the San Fernando Valley of Los Angeles. You got you know what's up, right? San Fernando Valley, right? That's where the Valley Girl talk comes from. Like, oh my God, you know, like you know about the Valley, right? And uh, if you guys don't know what it's like to live in a Valley, the Valley when it's the summer and it's hot, it's super hot, right? And in the winter when it's cold, it gets super cold. You know, the hot air usually gets trapped in the Valley because there's mountains here and mountains here. And, and there's no wind. The mountains are blocking the wind from, like, going through. And so the hot air gets trapped in the valley. You guys know this, that people that have lived in Daegu, right, it gets hot up in Daegu. They hit, they hit like, 40 degrees Celsius. And I'm like, dang, don't think, things melt at 40 degrees Celsius, I think, right? That's because the valley is the area of extreme. And it's also, when it gets cold, right, cold air sinks to the bottom, right? Hot air rises, cold air sinks. And usually valleys are lower than the average, like, you know, the, the level of the land. And so in the valley, what happens is all the cold air, when it gets cold, that cold, dense air sinks to the bottom, and it usually gets trapped in the valley, right? It's the areas of the extreme. The deserts are like this. I don't know if you've ever spent any time in the desert, but in the daytime, it's hot, right? I don't know if you've ever been to, like, Joshua Tree in California. It's beautiful, but it gets hot, right? But then if you've ever camped at Joshua Tree at night, it gets freezing, you're like, you're like, people are bringing parkas, and you're like, why are you bringing a parka, man? It's hot. And it was like, well, wait till it gets nighttime. And it gets nighttime, and it gets cold. Right? It's the, the valleys and the deserts is the place of the extreme. And the valleys of our lives is like that. The valleys of our lives is where we experience the extremes. Things get really bad. Things get worse. What was bearable becomes unbearable. But it's in these conditions that God uses to, to bear fruit in us. That he can't bear when we're on the mountaintop. It's in the valley seasons when we are tested and you have to fight and push and you have to struggle and you're like going against the grain and you have to, you, everything feels like you're walking in mud and it's just like, ah, what's going on? It's in these seasons that God is going to shape you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to stretch you. And he can't do that when you're on the mountaintop. That's why church retreats get so tricky. I know by experience. I've been to many church retreats in my life. And I come off of, I'm in the church retreat. I feel like, you know, I'm like floating in the clouds. God's love feels like cotton candy. Like, ah, and you're just like, you're just like, you're gobbling it up. And you're just like, you're like, ah, it's so good. You know, his grace and his mercy, everything just feels so good. And then you come down 
from the retreat center, and a couple of days later, everything feels like, oh, what is going on? It just feels heavier than it was before the retreat. It feels like this blanket. You're walking around with this wet blanket on your back, and everything feels like you're just pushing against the grain. doesn't feel like cotton candy when you come back from a church retreat. It feels like something a lot worse. Like like bundegi that they sell outside. That smell. You can smell that from a mile away, right? We have to know that valleys are an important part of our lives with God. There will be highs and there will be lows and there will be a bunch of stuff in between. But when it happens, we usually think two things. We usually think, one, I'm getting attacked. This is an attack of the enemy. We have been, I'm getting attacked by the devil. It's spiritual warfare. The devil is out to get me, right? This is how we feel. And I'm not saying that we don't have spiritual attacks sometimes. The devil is real. He will try to attack you. But he doesn't have power like that to dictate your conditions and your circumstances. You know, Satan needed to get permission from God to test Job, right? The only power that the devil really has is a big mouth. You know, they've seen those people with a big mouth? They're all tiny. Like, hey, what's that? We used to call them SMC, small men complex, right? We had a friend in high school, in college, where he was like the shortest guy, but he was the loudest guy. They thought he was the toughest guy, right? That's like the devil, right? The devil really is. A, he just has a really big mouth, and he tries to lie, and he'll manipulate. But not all valley seasons come from the devil, right? Sometimes it's just life. Sometimes it's just the valleys that you will walk through in your life. You know, they let me go at my work. It's the attack of the devil. No, they just might not like you. That happens sometimes, right? The devil will come and will lie to you about your situation because that's his number one tactic. He'll lie. But we have to make a choice. Are we going to listen to the devil or are we going to go to God and listen to God, right? So that's one way we respond in the valley. We, we think it's the devil. We think it's an attack, right? Or we either think that or we think that God hates us. God is hates He's God's out to get me. I did something wrong and now God is punishing me. You guys know that God will punish the devil and he'll punish the wicked, but those that are in Christ Jesus, there is no punishment. 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now God disciplines the one he, ones he loves, right? But discipline, it's, it's for our good. It's for our benefit. But God is not out to get you. We have to hold fast to what God is. He is love. He is our Father. And I get angry at my kids sometimes, but I'm not out to get them, right? Now, if me, an earthly father, who the Bible says is evil, know how to love and give good gifts to my kids, how much more does our Father in heaven love us and give us good gifts, who are his children, who he loved so much that he sent his only begotten son? And when we go through these seasons, a lot of times we're tempted to blame the devil, and a lot of times we blame God, we're like, God is out to get me, but we rarely see it. As our loving God, the Father, walking us through the valley so that we come out stronger on the other side. And we, we rarely see it in that way. 
We see it as, I'm getting attacked. God hates me. Or it's my fault. I did something wrong and I'm being punished. But we rarely see it as God with us, walking with us through these seasons of difficulty and these seasons of struggle so that we come out stronger on the other side. We don't understand that God wants to use the wilderness to strengthen and equip us so that when we walk out of the valley, we're ready for the next assignment that he has for us. Sometimes valley seasons are God-ordained. Most of the time, valley seasons are God-ordained. Very seldomly is it like, you know, like the devil is out to get me. No. You'll you'll see it because after the fact, after you come out of the valley, you'll realize, oh man, that was God-ordained. God put me through that so that I can learn this lesson and I can come out of the other side. So today I want to preach to you guys about how to make most of your valley seasons. How to make most of the valleys that you will go through in your lives. To not miss out on the lessons. Get stronger in the valley so that we can go higher with Him. We can reach new heights with God. So the first thing that we have to know, number one, God is with you in the valley. The hand of the Lord was upon me and He brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. And the psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. When we are in the valley, the first thing that runs through our minds is that we're alone. That's, That's the lie. I'm alone. God feels far. God has abandoned me. I feel rejected. I feel like, like, like you feel like the way I felt in elementary school when my mom left me at the supermarket, right? I remember I went up and down the aisle, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, my mom is gone, right? I felt abandoned. I didn't know what to do. We feel like, like God is far, but that's the lie of the enemy. The very first lie that the devil told to, to man was that, was that God was not with them, that God was not on their side, that God was holding out on them. And he's been speaking, sticking to that lie ever since. And when we find ourselves in the valleys of our life, we feel like God left us, that we're alone, and that he is far from us. I remember when I first came to Korea, I felt so alone. Because first of all, I, I didn't know anybody. The right? only person I knew was my aunt and my cousin. Right? And I hadn't seen my cousin like for like maybe a decade or so. Right? Last time I saw him was when he was like four years old, five years old. And all of a sudden, I come to Korea. He's like 23. Right? And I'm like, hey, what's up? Your name is John, right? <laughs> like, that, like, that, that's the only really person I knew. And I felt so alone. I felt so abandoned and rejected. But now when I look back at my life, when I first came to Korea, I look back at the situations that I found myself in, it is absolutely undeniable that not only was God with me, but he was so close. If I, in hindsight, I look back now and I realize that God was with me, he was guiding me, he was leading me and protecting me from making all these dumb decisions. He was surrounding me with people that would radically impact my life. At that time, it didn't feel like that. I just felt really bad. I felt like, you know, really crappy. But I think back on it now and I'm like, man, God was so with me in that season. He was so close that that I couldn't even I couldn't even sense him. You know, sometimes when somebody's so close, it's just like you just see right through them. That's how it felt, right? I I I didn't in my, my heart I was like, oh, God had rejected me, God had abandoned me. But I think back now and he was so close. 
But we have to understand and know it as truth that God is with us in the valley. It's like that picture that we see in Christian homes of the footprints, right? Who's had one of those in their house? It's become a cliche, right? But it's so true. When we see only one set of footprints, it's because he's carrying us, right? I remember when I first read that, it blew my mind. This is spiritual truth, right? But it's so true. And when we're walking through the valley, he's, he's with us. He seems far, but he's closer than you can ever imagine. When we find ourselves in the valley, in order for us to hear God and know and to know his in- interactions and, and his plans for us and his intentions for us, we have to know that he is with us and that he is near. When things are falling apart or crashing down upon us, and you feel helpless and you feel powerless, when we turn to God, I guarantee you, you will encounter God. And he's not going to necessarily fix everything, right? That's how we pray sometimes. When things are crumbling, when things are going not our way, we're like, God, fix it, right? God, get rid of this thing. Get fix this. Rescue me. Deliver me. You have this horrible boss who's like, who's using fear and intimidation, and you just like, you just feel like, just like you, you feel shipwrecked all the time, and you tell him, like, banish her, God, take her away, right? You're like, remove her from my life. But here's the thing: God will not fix it for you, but He will definitely walk with you through those seasons. He will be with you as you walk through the valley. And the strength and the wisdom and the power that you will need to make it through the valley, he will be there to supply it. He's not far. He's closer than you think. We have to realize, when we're in the valley, when you find yourself in that situation, where you're like, man, this, you know, like, I was up there, and now I'm down here. What do I have to do? How do I get my bearing? You have to know that he is with you in the valley. Number two, we have to seek God's perspective. It says that it was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? Here's the thing. God doesn't ask you a question because he doesn't know the answers. He knows everything. Every time God asks a man a question in the Bible, it's so that he can reveal something in their hearts. That he can reveal something uh, that it was in them or, or you know that they needed to understand. And so God asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? He's asking Ezekiel, can you see this from what I, how I see this? Can you see this and can you see the potential and the possibilities that I see in these bones? I know all around you, all you see in the natural are just dead bones, right? Dry bones. You've heard that term, bone dry. It means that bone has been dead for many, many years. Life had left them bones many years ago. And God's telling Ezekiel, I know all you see are dry bones. But do you see what I see? Can you see the potential of what I see? And we have to seek to see God's perspective, God's potential, what he wants us to see. You know, my wife will tell you that I'm naturally a pessimist. And Mina is naturally an optimist. And there have been so many times where Mina and I look at the same exact situation, the same exact, like, conditions, but we have completely different, like, understanding of what's happening. We look at it so differently. 
And I, I think I get this from my mom. My mom was like very worrier. She was the first thing that goes is like, ah, oh, it's the end of the world, right? And something will happen, and I'll go automatically to the worst case scenario. Mina will tell me, like, you know what? I can't find my wallet. And immediately I'm like, oh no, someone has stolen it. They're spending our credit card. We need to cancel our credit cards. We need to go and call the police. Why aren't you so calm, woman? Like, do you understand? We're getting, we're going broke as we speak. That's like what's running through my mind. And that's what that was coming out of my mind, my mouth. And then immediately Mina would be like, oh, I'm sure it'll turn up. And th- that drives me crazy, man. I'd be like, oh, how many credit cards you have in there? Seven. Okay. You know, like this, this is how I feel. And most of the, usually, well, up to this point, every time she has found her wallet, right? But, but we have to understand that our perspective and God's perspective are very different. And he tells us, what, what do you see when you see these dry bones? When you see the circumstances that you are in? When you see the people that you are surrounded by? When you see like the, the, the life situation that you are in, you are in this valley, and all you see, you may see dry bones all around you, but he's like, can you see what I see? Can you try to perceive what I see? What can this situation, this circumstance look like? Not based on my understanding, but in God's understanding. What can this look like through the eyes of faith? The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. God sets us in valleys sometimes for us to please Him. Some, we, have to, we fight for the faith to see and to perceive the possibilities that God has for us while we're in the valley. His perspective can change everything. But his perspective requires faith. When we're in the valley, we have to look up. But what do we do? When we find ourselves in these situations where things are going wrong, we, we look down. We look at the, oh, man, all of the things that are crumbling around me. You look at yourself and all of the, the, the like, oh, I, can, I can't do this. You know, we get stuck looking down, but what we need to do is look up. And we need to get God's perspective, his possibilities. All things are possible through Christ Jesus. Our God can do anything and everything. And we have to stop staring at the bones and we have to start looking to Jesus. Look up at God and see what he has for us in the valley. So when, when we find ourselves in these situations, in the low seasons of our lives, when we see, we see, around, all we see around us are dry bones, right? we can't get stuck on the natural. Mina is always telling me, like, something will happen, and I, I just look at it. First thing I do is like, oh, man, and I look at it in the natural. But she'll, she'll shift me out. She'll say, hey, you got to look at this from the Spirit's perspective. And what is Holy Spirit trying to say about this? And usually it's something completely different than what I perceived in the natural. And he's asking us, can you see what I see? Do you, are you able to see your situations, your circumstances from my perspective? Number three, we have to embrace the uncertainty. Verse three, it says, and he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. That's just a very holy way of saying, God, 
I don't know, right? You know, God? I have no idea. It's like, Amanda, can these bones live? And Amanda's like, maybe. I hope so. But isn't that what faith is? Hebrews says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Nowhere in that definition does it say certainty. There's assurance, there's conviction, but by definition, faith is not about certainty. So many times we want certainty from God. God, if I'm going to do this, I need certainty. God, if I'm going to attempt this for you, I need to know. You know, I need to be certain, Lord. You know, like, God, if I, if, if you, I need the facts. I need this to be factual, that things will work out the way that I want it to work out. But in the valley, what God wants to do is for our faith in God to lead us through the valley and out of the other side. And it's that process that's going to transform us. It's that process that's going to change us. It's in that place of helplessness and powerlessness. I don't know if that's a word. Where we don't know what's going to happen. And it's in those moments where we cling to God and we say, I need you. I can't do this without you. I don't know if this is, if, th- if I can do this. I don't know if this is going to work out. I don't know if, if th- you know. But I know that you are with me. And I definitely know that I can't do this without you. So I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to depend on you for everything. That's what you, that's, that's the wilderness. That's the wilderness. But sometimes, you know, we feel, we, we feel on, like, like, we feel like we're in the, in, in the in the wilderness or we feel like we're in the valley because of uncertainty. How many of you guys feel that way? When things get uncertain, I feel like, ah, oh, I feel low. When things are certain, you're like, you got a jetpack on your back, you're flying around. This is what I'm going to do. And this, is, this, this, this paycheck will come on this day. They have plenty of money. They're going to pay me and I'm going to buy this. And I'm going to go here and I'm going to do that. And you know, certainty, you're, the uncertainty comes. You're like, you're like, uh. isn't that how we feel so many times? But God brings us into the uncertainty so that we just not only embrace it, but we embrace God. Like, God, I know you have plans for me down here. What do you want me? What, what do you want to bring out of me here? God puts you there so you can embrace the uncertainty. You can step out of your comfort zone. Stand on faith and walk through the valley. He says, I'm not going to pull you out. I'm not going to rescue you from this sometimes. But I will be with you as you walk through it. I'm going to supply what you need, the strength and the wisdom and the power that you need to go through this season. And when you come out, you're going to be thankful. You're going to look back and say, I thank you, God, for that valley. I thank you, God, for those struggles. But you're never going to experience that if you're sitting under the tree in your comfort zone. He takes us out of the valley. And a lot of times we're like, oh, God, can you put me back? <laughs> can you put me back? I, I, I like the seat that I was sitting on. It had some shade. It reclined, you know. I, I, I'm, I'm, cool with the, I'm cool with the valley and I'm cool with the mountaintop. I like, I like the, the, the middle zone, right? That's my comfort zone, right? I like, I like it right here in the middle, you know? It's cool in the middle. But you know, it takes zero faith for you to be in your comfort zone. 
It takes absolutely no faith to be in your comfort zone. You know, my brother right here, Ward, uh, uh, Nathan Wardrip, he's a missionary. I've known him for 10 years now, right? I met him a long time when he was here for Yonze. And recently, they've sold their house, and they're, and they're missionaries. And they t- he just had a, a baby girl. They have three kids, and one of them is six months old. But they're taking this test of faith. And I know that there's a lot of uncertainty. I know that there's a lot of, you know, I, I'm sure that he's felt those valleys. But the fact that he's stepping out, you know, God's saying, hey, I'm going to be with you as you walk through these valleys, right? When we find ourselves in a valley, we just want to go back to our comfort zone. Like the Israelites. At least we had meat in Egypt. Let's go back to Egypt, right? Can you, can you believe they actually said that? That God did these amazing miracles. He's parted literally an ocean, right? destroyed their the enemy's army right did 10 like crazy if you saw it happen before us now we would all just go insane right like, imagine like like frogs falling from the sky and like you know the river like suyong river turning turning into blood and all all these crazy things imagine right if all of us start breaking out with all the people start breaking out in boils and like we they see this they see the power of god and they see the deliverance of God, and then they get into some kind of like, they're like, oh, the valley is hard. Let's go back to Egypt, right? But do you know that so many times we do that? So many times God will bring us into the valley, and he's like, God, he's like, Caleb, I want you to walk through this. And I'm like, no, I don't want to. I want to sit and play PlayStation, you know, like, like, like I, I, you know, I, I want to watch some TV, you know, like, he's like, I want, he's like, I want you to fast, and I want you to, like, you know, pray for your church, and I want you, it's like, no, oh, it's hard, you know, like, but so many times, we were just like the Egyptians, God will bring us, you know, he'll bring us into the valley, he'll bring us into the wilderness, and he's like, hey, I have something for you here, I need you to, inst- I know it's scary, wildernesses are scary, right? There's, there's, there's wild animals out in the wilderness, right? The valley could be hot. It could be cold. It could get, I know it's scary, but I want you to take a step of faith, and I want you to move forward. And we're just like, God, I like what I was sitting on back there. Right? You have any more of those chairs? Right? You have any more of those recliners? I like that. A lot of times, I feel like God brings us into the valley or the wilderness or whatever you want to call it to get our attention. Because sometimes when we're in the valley, the noise of all the distractions around us gets silent. You know that the blessings of God can become distractions. But when we're in the valley, things that seem very important when we were in our comfort zone don't seem so important anymore. When we were in our comfort zone, Instagram was important. Right? I have to post. I have to make sure that people know that what I'm doing, right? Like I have to know that he, they have to know that I'm working out. You know, like they have to know how swole I'm getting, Josh. Right? <laughs> they have to know how cute my kids are, right? You know, they have they have to know all of these things. They have to know the makeup, how how I put my eyeliner to get these smoky shadows down here. They have to know, right? But then when when we find ourselves in the valley, those things are like like I ain't got time for that. And things are tough, right? That's how it was. I remember like before, like our church, you know, we, we've been going through this season. I remember a long time ago, there were things that were really important to me. They're not so important to me anymore. 
It's just like, I, I, you just start to like fade away. God brings us into the wilderness sometimes to get our attention. It's like, hey, you need to get your head out of the clouds. You need to get down here with me because I have an assignment for you. I have something for you to do. And if we take the time to listen for what God's voice, what he's saying, he will lead you in the valley. You will hear his voice. He will lead you and he will walk with you through the difficult, the terrain and the heat and the cold and all of the things that you're going to encounter into the unknown, into that place of faith where faith comes alive. He will lead you through that. And when you come out on the other side, you're going to be like, oh, that was that, that really was the season that I needed in my life. And ask us, can these bones live? I don't know, God. Only you know. But I know that you're going to be with me, and I'm going to take these steps of faith. And I'm not going to just sit, at, sit down and die. A lot of times when we get into the valley, we just, you know, I just want to sit down and do nothing, die. But God said, get up, walk with me. And I know that he will be with you as you walk. So we have to embrace the, 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 the uncertain of being in the valley. And number four, we have to prophesy. That word makes some of you guys nervous. But prophecy, in a nutshell, is declaring the word of God. There is no prophecy outside of the word of God. This is prophecy. You know that? This is prophecy. The word of God as you, as you get this into your system, as you get this into your mind and in your heart, and not just in your heart, but in your spirit, you get it into that place where, where it starts to really come alive. And as you do what David did, he said, I meditate on the laws day and night. As you start to really, like, like you take a word of God, that you, you read the Bible and you're like, hey, the Bible says this, and it resonates in your spirit. The Holy Spirit comes alive and you're like, that is truth. And as you take that and you allow that to just come alive in your, in your spirit and you just keep meditating and meditating on it, and then you take that and you declare it into your circumstances. That's a prophecy. Prophecy is getting the word of God in you. When the situation comes out, that word of God in you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is ignited, and you declare it over that person. You declare it over your situation. You declare it over your circumstances, and you prophesy. Everything is falling apart in the natural. It looks like failure, but you declare, Psalm 27, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You have a broken heart. Something went bad in your life. You got rejected. You got abandoned. You feel all alone. And then you, you take the word of God and you prophesy, nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is power in the tongue. The Bible says death and life is in the power of the tongue. Your words are powerful. When you're in the valley and all you see are dead bones, you have a choice to speak death over your situation or you have a choice to speak life over your situation. Yeah, you can speak death. It's like, man, it's going to always be like this. How many of you guys have said that? Something bad happens, it's like, Psh, figures. Yeah, I knew that was going to happen. Right? Things will never get better. I might as well just quit. Or you can speak life. You can prophesy. Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. You can prophesy into your circumstance. Declare the word of God into your circumstance. 
I talked about it last week, but my mom prophesied over my rebellion. And he's like, God, save my son. God, you know, turn my son around. He, God, you know, like, like, turn him around. Send him to prison that he will get deported. And then he'll go to Korea and, and, be, and marry this woman and become a pastor. I know, my woman, I know my mom is not that prophetic, right? I know she didn't say that. But she prophesied. She was praying. She's like, God, I know the word of God. I remember when I was in prison, I would get these letters from my mom. You know, and you know old Korean women or men like handwriting? It literally looks like chicken scratch, right? But I couldn't really read it, but I knew that there were Bible verses. She would write these Bible verses because I always saw like a Korean word and then a number and then a dot, dot. And then some more numbers, right? I knew she was like declaring these Bible verses over my life, right? And she, was, she would send me, and she knew that I couldn't read it, right? She, she really wanted me to read. She would she'd write more legibly, but, it, you know, my mom, literally, her hand, a Korean handwriting, she doesn't know how to write in English, so her Korean handwriting literally looks like lines, right? But I knew that she was declaring these words over my life, and I kept those letters. I should read them one day, right? Get him, get him like this, like translated into. And she spoke and she prophesied into my rebellion. And when, whatever situations we find ourselves in, there is always the word of God. And we always have the power to declare the word of God into that situation. We can declare the word of God or we de- declare death. Right? So we prophesy. It, it, Ezekiel, can these bones live? I don't know, God. I want you to speak my words into the situation. You don't have to come up with these words, right? You don't have to, you don't have to do this. You, you don't have to make these bones come alive. I just need you to speak what I say into the situations. I need you to declare it, and I need you to mean it in your heart, and then see what happens. And he declares it, and it's like bones start to move around. And can you imagine this, right? And then the bones start to come together and all of these sinews. I think sinews are tendons, right? Or I don't really know. And then this skin will come up and it's just like, you know, it's just like one of those science fiction movies, right? But it, but it, it happened because, not because Ezekiel like did something. It not, didn't happen because Ezekiel had a plan. He had this plan. Was, I'm going to bring these bones to life. I'm going to get a bunch of clay. I'm going to start forming. I'm going to make them look like they're early. No, he didn't have to do anything. He just had to declare the word of God into the situation. God told him to say this. He said it, and, and, and before him stood a, an exceedingly great army. We prophesy into the situation. No situation is so bad that we can't prophesy into it. Do you know that? And a lot of times the devil will lie to you. Man, it's, it, it's game over, man. <laughs> like, it, it's done. This, this situation is done. You might as well just quit, right? But no situation is so bad or so crazy that we cannot declare the word of God into it. It doesn't mean that, you know, like God's going to fix it. But you know what? God will start to change. He's going to change the way you see that situation. Right? He's going to change the way that you see that perspective. So we prophesy. We declare the word of God. We declare the word of God into the situations of our life. Number five, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. It says, I prophesied, and as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bones to its bones. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. 
Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and, and the breath came into them, and they, live, and, and they lived, and they stood on their feet in exceedingly great army. The word breath in the Hebrew is ruach. You have to say the ch, right? It's ruach. And it's the same word that is used to talk about the Spirit of God. It's the ruach of God. Right? Same in, in, in Hebrew as well. You know, the, in, in, in Greek, the pneuma. Right? You know what a pneumatic drill is? It's a pneumatic drill is a drill that, is, that uses the power of air. Right? And so it's the same thing. It's this breath that he's talking about is spirit. It's the breath of life. And we have to know that without the breath of life, without the Holy Spirit, we are all just dry, dead bones. We need the Holy Spirit. We have to know that God wants, if we want to know and if we want to do what, the God ha- what, what our God has for us in the valley, right? We need, to, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But you know, a lot of times I find myself in the valley and I start to you know, make an assessment of my strength. I start to make an assessment of my abilities and my talents. What can I do? I get into this situation. It's all right. I can I can save. I can I can do this and I can try to do this. I can you know I can. So many times we when we get into the valley, we start to make an you know assessment of like ourselves and what we can do. We but God tells us that it's. It's not by our talents. It's not by our strength. It's not by anything that we can do, but it's by His Spirit. Not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. As Zechariah 4, 6. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're not going to get through the valley without the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you read the book of Acts and you read Paul's epistles, you see that Paul was someone that really walked through many valleys, right? 2 Corinthians 11 lists some of his accolades. And it says, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was drift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from, the, from Gentiles, dangers in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, dangers from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and in exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Right? That was Paul. We're talking about he, dude. The dude went through some valleys in his life, right? He definitely wasn't all about the mountaintop experience. Right? That's crazy. This just seems like a constant walk through the valley. But what made Paul extraordinary in his life was his encounter with Jesus, and was he was he was constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts nine, he says, and laying his hands on him, Ananias right, said to Saul, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he gained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. 
For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus, and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. When we see, when we hear of his conversion, when we hear of what happened, and we see of just this amazing encounter with Jesus, and we see him being filled with the Spirit of God. And and I guarantee you, every time that he was, he, he talks about getting getting whipped, getting stoned, getting shipwrecked, right? Going hungry, right? danger from the city, danger from the wilderness, danger from from the sea, danger from false brother. All of these these valleys that he went through, I guarantee you. What helped him get through these valleys and I'd come out the other side and, and be like, yes, I'm going to do this to the day I die. What helped him do that was the fact that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. We can't do anything for God outside of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And what we need in the valley is, is the wrong question. is who we need in the valley. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God. 